Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, I have a discussion with Jeremy Boer, who is the former Nelson County ATC principal. And Jeremy was forced out of his position as a result of the unprofessionalism of the superintendent, Wes Bradley. For those that have been listening to this podcast with regularity, you know that one of the subjects that we've brought up on a consistent basis from a local level is Nelson County Public School District in Nelson County, Kentucky. And this is one of their former employees whose wife also worked in the same district. And he describes throughout this episode his entire time there, the way that he was treated, the way that his wife was treated, and how all of this happened at the hands of their superintendent, Wes Bradley. He brings up a number of specifics, including workplace bullying, threatening and intimidating behavior. He even brings up computer fraud at the hands of Wes Bradley, or at least what I would consider to be computer fraud to say the least, and suggesting that others engage in it as well is apparently what took place. And uh, we're talking about breach of contract from a superintendent. There is no doubt about it. So even if you don't live in the area, or you listen to this and you're just interested in American education, here's one of the unfortunate aspects that I, I would like people to understand is that the way that Jeremy and his wife were treated within this school district is unfortunately very common. It's a very common occurrence for superintendents to micromanage or principals to micromanage right down into what is taught within a classroom. And then they overstep their bounds, they engage in breach of contract, and they do so for the purpose of intimidating an individual and ultimately doing whatever they can to remove them, including falsifying documents, lying, spreading rumors, engaging in intimidation. These individuals have their playbook. Some of the worst people who happen to have positions of authority use these playbooks. And I myself have specifically described it in past episodes as the process, quote-unquote. They have a process. They have a plan. They want to see it through. If you're not a part of that plan, regardless of how nefarious it is, they implement their process, which again involves some of the most unethical tactics that you could possibly imagine. So I want you to give a listen to this episode. Please understand again that you don't have to know all of the ins and outs of this particular location to get the bigger picture. The bigger picture, as I've always said, with what is wrong with American K-12 education is a lack of professionalism. It's a lack of good, morally sound people in positions where, frankly, they should leave other leaders alone. They should just leave them alone. And when they don't leave them alone and they try to micromanage, that usually means that they're trying to push something through that has no business being there in the first place, whether it's a policy, a program, whatever it may be. So I want to thank Jeremy Boer again for being on this episode I hope that everybody gives this a serious, serious listen, because what Jeremy is describing are the characteristics of one of the poorest leaders that you could possibly have within any American school district whatsoever. There is no doubt about it. This kind of behavior has no place in any American K-12 school. And when it's this evident and it's this obvious, it's time for that person to be fired, because what he's really describing are not the characteristics of a leader. What Jeremy is going to describe here with the superintendent of this school district, Wes Bradley, he's describing the characteristics of a tyrant. Gotcha. So 
I'm Jeremy Booer. I'm the former principal at Nelson County ATC. I was there for five years beginning in 2014. Uh, I went through 2019 when I got a new job and got out. Um, really, the start, um, I started, uh, right when you work for the ATC, you work for the, the Kentucky Department of Education. So they were my uh, employers. In fact, they uh, they did everything. You know, they wrote my check. They All of my teachers, I had nine teachers at the ATC. Uh, we were all employed by KDE. We were actually, you know, employees of KDE. So I preface that because that's where I'm going with the story uh, with that. So my first year, I had to collaborate with two districts, Nelson County, and then Barstown Independent. Uh, we had students from three different schools, Nelson County High School, um, Thomas Nelson High School, and then Barstown High School. And then at the end of my tenure, uh, we also started uh, receiving students from Bethlehem. Uh, we would also get homeschool students. Our attendance was growing. People wanted to be there. Um, we had an exciting place to go. Um, let's see, what, um, probably my third year in everything was good. I'm going to kind of tie my wife into this as well because – really the whole story um, of everything that went on involves both of us. And, and to this day, I don't know if the bullying and intimidation was directed at me going after her or vice versa. I, I feel like they started going after her to get to me because he had no control. But I'll tell the story about uh, I started really, uh, me and Wes used to play tennis uh, all the time. And uh, we'd play once a week uh, for several months until it got cold and we'd play more. Um, I used to beat him. I'm, I'm pretty avid tennis players. I used to beat him. The one time that he did upset me, he never played with me again. It was kind of funny. That's hilarious. He never played with me again. It was funny because the time that he beat me, I actually met another guy uh, there right after that. Me and that guy started playing you know, all the time and Wes never played with me again. So that, that was kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, to that point, that was, uh, that was probably me and him started doing probably my third year there. Uh, that was before he superintendent. He was still at Thomas Nelson. Uh, my wife was a third grade teacher. Well, she, she did several different grades at Cox's Creek. She was a teacher at Cox's Creek Elementary. Uh, and everything was good that first year there. Um, Jake Griffith here, um, they hired in a new principal. Um, she loved the principal. The principal that first year was there two years. And then, um, then she left. Um, and then they hired, then my wife actually got on site based decision making council. Um, and she hired in a new principal, which she loved is probably, um, one of the best principals she's worked for. Uh, but she got her in there and then it all started at the end of that year. Um, that second semester of the year, the, uh, yeah, the, the, so Nikki, most of the teachers at Cox's Creek at the time were all from Nelson County. Uh, and my wife had come from a top 50 school in the state of Montgomery County. So, uh, she knew, in fact, she led a lot of the, uh, she led a lot of the, the PD for what they were doing at Montgomery County, um, for how they became a top 50 school. So she knew a lot of the curriculum. She knew a lot of the stuff. Um, and the, a lot of the teachers, it wasn't just one particular, um, but a lot of the teachers would, would bully her as if okay, it was a bad culture at Cox's Creek. Um, and in fact, I remember that year, like I said, our second year there, they actually gave her at the end of the year a book with Christine Aguilera. My wife is blonde headed, brown eyes like Christine Aguilera. They gave her a book with Christine Aguilera on it instead of the Christine Aguilera title at the top of it. They put a piece of tape over top of it and said, Miss Booler. And they gave it to her and they, you know, they were okay. It was just kind of, it was a goofy pick, but it was like, it wasn't like a, a mean pick. It was just kind of like, I'm picking on you stuff. 
going to year three, um, that picking on my wife became a lot more prevalent. Um, they started, you know, name calling behind, and it wasn't ever to her face. They, it was always just behind her back. It was, you know, name calling. And I can't speak for her because it is, you know, it happened, of course, for her for uh, three years. And, you know, so she has a lot more of the details on that. But long story short on her, uh, she ended up filing a uh, grievance with Bob Morris, who at the time was the HR director for Elton County. And she told him everything that was going on. He agreed with her. He actually said, um, you're right. You know, and this was the same time. I think the third year was when um, Anthony Orr was going through his problems at the time. And they actually got him out and they were getting a new superintendent in there. So she filed the grievance. Uh, they tried to the Bob Morris came in, filed it, uh, and then, you know, he started working on it. Well, all of a sudden, at the end of that year, Bob Morris is gone. Um, he was no longer HR director. So... I never got the story on that. I don't know what happened. I don't know if, you know, one plays with the other. I haven't seen him since. And he just kind of said it was, it was a mess and Nelson can answer what I got from him. Uh, but I do know that she had that filed and that's when really all of her problems and then eventually my problems started. So that next year is when we had um, a interim superintendent. Like I said, this superintendent of Nelson County was not my boss. It was just my wife's boss. So, that uh, that fourth year at Nelson County, um, there was one day that my wife was three minutes late to work. First time she'd been late in four years. Not a day or two afterward, they had her on a corrective action plan just for that. Um, and really, the, the biggest thing the corrective action plan said was that every day you have to come and sign in. She was the only teacher in the whole building that had to sign in uh, when they got there and then sign out. So there'd be numerous days where, you know, my wife overexerts herself as a teacher. She'd stay till seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. She couldn't even get in the office to sign, sign out on the paper because she was still there. But she had to do it, and she agreed with it and stuff like that. Uh, she'd also always had, you know, uh, migraine headaches, but then this started leading up to worsen them. Uh, so let's see, that second semester, um, they, you know, they kept staying on her about the cap. Um, she had started getting real bad migraines because of the stress of the work and actually um, hospitalized her for a time. She came back, finished out the year, and that was that. Over that summer, she had uh, not heard anything from the admin. Of course, that's when Wes Bradley was just hired year four going into five for us. Um, he took over for the, uh, I think it was Tom Brown was our um, interim uh, superintendent in Nelson County at the time. He took over for Tom Brown. He, uh, she'd heard nothing about the cap. Finally, August comes around and she says, hey, am I done with this? I've done everything you wanted on it. I've signed all these timesheets, yada, yada. And they're like, oh, yeah, you've got to stay with us. There was no reason. Not a reason to it. So um, at that point, uh, the... Uh, Wes Bradley got in there and fired everybody at the board office. Um, he did so by changing all of the titles to everybody. So instead of um, calling it a DPP, he put a title on it, called it something else. Instead of you know, your special ed director, he changed the title, called it something else. And that's how he got rid of everybody in the board office because you can't just go in there and say, hey, I'm firing all of you. You know, you, if you get rid of the position, you get rid of the person. So he got rid of most everybody that was a director in that office, and then he came in and hired everybody handpicked that he wanted. 
uh, let let me jump in real quick. Okay. Just so just to, just a review. So he, in order to get rid of the people in the district office, he didn't want, he just changed the title of their already existing position and then told and then told them that, uh, that their position was no longer available. They needed to find employment elsewhere. And that was it. Right. That's it. So, like, for instance, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, the lady that I collaborated with a lot at the ATC, her, her name was Kim Brown. Um, she was director of instruction curriculum for uh, – she was director of curriculum instruction for the high school level. And then he had a director of elementary uh, education to get rid of both of them instead of just saying, you're fired. He did away with both of those positions, and then he came up with what I, like I said, he, he's got a fluffy name, so I don't know exactly the, the title of, you know, like he'll have a director of innovation or a director of Karen Connect or something like that. So he comes up with these these titles, which, you know, if you look behind the scenes, they're still a director of special ed, they're still a director of pupil personnel there, but they're not called that because originally when he came in to get rid of everybody, he got rid of those positions hire who he wanted in there to have him pick, just like you said. So I'd work with Kim Brown. Me and Kim Brown worked great together. Uh, she was on board with a lot of stuff we were doing. We were actually looking at the ATC on my end. Um, we took a trip up to Miami, Ohio, looking at their aviation program. We were going to start um, on aviation. Uh, we had also uh, working with um, IHD Electrical in Bardstown. We had looked at flipping weed we were overlapping a little bit. We had a carpentry program and a woodworking program. So we condensed and combined and then realized there was a need, a high need for electrical uh, students in our building. So we actually came up with an electrical program and we were doing a lot of innovative stuff. Um, you know, and Kim Brown was on board with that. She, I thought she was great to work with, but he got rid of her. And in that time, he put me on a committee to hire uh, the new career and technical education coordinator, CTE coordinator, so they had, off the top of my head, I remember two applicants. I think there may have been three, but I remember two. Uh, and essentially there were five or six of us on the hired committee. He said, here's the two applicants we got. Uh, one of them we want, and it's just hands down. I mean, but their resume. What ended up being Laura Arnold, who was my boss. And Laura Arnold was actually the one from KDE that had hired me to Dublin County ATC. So this is where I, this is the point where I noticed things were shady and this is where it gets bad. Uh, because to that point, I'd only played tennis with Wes and this was really the first time that I've started collaborating with him because he's now full-time superintendent. So we do an interview, which the interview is kind of weird um, that he does. It's not your traditional, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, tell me your strengths and weaknesses type interview. It's, it's his whole it's a whole, I can't even describe the interview. It's just, it's weird to say the least. We interview um, the two the two candidates, and then we extend the offer to Laura Arnold, which is essentially, like I said, it was pretty much a done deal that she was going to get anyways. Well, she came back and told Wes that the pay wasn't enough for the position that she had turned it down. This was in June of, I left in 18, so this was in June, I think of, 18. So, um, let's see, let me make sure my dates are 19, 20, 20, yeah. So this is June 18. Um, well, then all of a sudden, about two weeks later, he had notified the committee that he was going to work on the money. He found the money and he was going to get Laura Arnold in there. Sure enough, about two or three weeks later, she accepted the offer because they found the money. 
so it's funny because to this point, like nobody would ever know this because uh, I just talked to another guy I work with. His whole family's from Nelson County up here where I'm at right now. Uh, so I talked to him about it. And uh, I was like, let's look up her salary. Because I knew, because she was my boss at the time at KDE, I knew exactly what she was making. She was making 100 grand on the dot. Uh, so I knew she had to, to, to get that. She would have to be make more, make more than 100000 Well, when you look up her salary right now on Nelson County's uh, uh, pay schedule, it's only like 100 when you, you know, when you put in her index, her years, all that good stuff, it's only like 102, 103. So me and him were sitting here talking and thinking, you know, a two to $3,000 raise wouldn't really entice her to leave KD unless she wanted out, which, you know, she had a pretty good job at KD. You know, she was overall all 53 ATCs in the state. She was an associate commissioner, which is, you know, essentially second in power of all Kentucky schools. So, like, why would you just leave for two or 3000 The kicker is, and hardly anybody notices it, unless you actually go to their uh, salary schedule right now and actually look. There's a box to the right of the salary schedule that says any, I'm I'm not, it's not verbatim, but to me, you can go look at it right now. It's essentially any above duty for any certified employee. Any time work pass, you know, your regular normal hours, we get paid $25 an hour. So I would venture to say, if I was a guessing man, and at $25 an hour, if you search an open records request for her salary, you're only going to see the $102,000, $103,000 that she's making. You're not going to see all the time that she's claiming for whatever that $25 an hour is going to. So I would venture to say when she goes to board meetings, $25 an hour. Um, you know, for that two, three, you know, talking to people, their board meetings go until 9 o'clock at night. So if she's claiming it from 4 to 9 o'clock, that's 5 hours, $25 an hour, which... You know, you add up over time, it's a lot because, you know, my last year, we were working on a grant with Nelson County, uh, Bardstown, and even LaRue County, and we were traveling all over the place. We traveled all the way to Houston, Texas. We traveled to uh, Owensboro. Uh, we went all the way out to Western Kentucky, to uh, Fulton, Kentucky, and like I said, I guarantee that she's claiming that $25 an hour plus the mileage and all that. So even though her salary is showing 102000 103000 I guarantee she's making bank just off of the $25 an hour extra. Probably another $30,000 a year. Right. Cause, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because even if you claim $25 an hour, you know, just rough math at a full time job, that's $50,000 an hour or $50,000 a year. So, I mean, you know, you could potentially make up to that. And I think on an open record, open records request, nobody would ever claim to, to check that side of it, you know, and if you did. So that, you know, now that I see that, I'm like, man, that, that's the reason why, because she made, he made, so when there was that two to three weeks low, I'd say he got that put on that salary schedule for that and just said, hey, claim whatever you want, and that's how we'll pay you. That, that's just a guess, but I mean, that's, I've never seen any other salary schedule in the state of Kentucky say, you need above duty, and you know, like being a, uh, like I had an IT teacher that was, that was working all of like a club for Nelson County. He never claimed the twenty five dollars. I didn't even know that there was a twenty five dollar an hour stipend that he could have claimed that there. You know that that's something that's not published broadcast or anything else. So there was that. That was like I said. That was June, July. Coming back into our last year, which is eighteen nineteen, um, Going back to uh, August or so, my wife comes back in. Um, they say your cap still stands. We still need you to sign in there. So all of a sudden, uh, the 
bullying. Like I said, this is Weston's first full year was our last year there, me and my wife, um, 18, and all of a sudden the bullying ramps up big time, um, on her end. Um, she is getting picked on by the teachers, the admin, the cats, they're staying on her. They're wanting her to, to do this, that, and other. And it was the only other, she was the only teacher in the building that was doing all the stuff that, you know, wasn't on a cat. Like, and the crazy thing is they kept asking her for all this stuff, but she still has her evaluations. On her evaluations, they're all, you know, perfect. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's good stuff. There's nothing, nothing they're putting on her instructional uh, evaluations that are anything that you would say red flag it. So she's getting picked on. Uh, her head, it's, it's causing her stress. I mean, she ended up having to go to a therapist. It, it caused her headaches. It, it just drove her crazy. And the therapist even would say, it's from the work environment. Uh, and in fact, it took, there was so much just harass. Like, they were claiming stuff like that she was sleeping in class. And, uh, you know, and she was like, well, she talks. I'm just like, I'm sitting here teaching. So it gets to the point where her, I'll just, I'll finish her story because, it, you know, it got, she had it worse than I did probably. Uh, so fast forward probably to January or February, it got so bad that she had to take FMLA uh, because they were just driving her crazy between her, uh, between her uh, principal, which at the time was a brand new principal uh, that Wes handpicked. That principal, when she was handpicked uh, to be the principal of the school that year, she wasn't even a certified uh, principal yet. She was in a principal training program that Wes had created, um, and she was still working on her uh, master's degree for her principal. So they had hired at Caucus Creek somebody that wasn't even a certified principal to be principal. Uh, and there were, there were several other principals in the district that were actually like that. Uh, but anyways, long story short with her, um, she had to go on FMLA um, because they were just totally crazy. And, you know, the her therapist at the time said, you know, this is the cause. She came back, and when she came back from her FMLA, she only had, like, uh, March, it was March. So she came back, she only had uh, two and a half months to go. Uh, Wes got a hold of her and said, hey, we need to have a meeting because I found all this stuff on you. Um, at that point, she contacted KEA and said, look, Here's what's happening. KEA said, this ain't right. Um, so to final this out, and this is where it gets bad with Wes on her end, is she sat down with KEA and Wes and actually recorded it, and I think she still has the recording for it. And it's pretty bad. Um, Wes had this list of all this stuff that she had done. Granted, remember, she'd been on FMLA for a month, so she hadn't even been there. Um, but it was stuff like I told you, you know, that – we had somebody, and he would. Everything was anonymous with him. He'd be like, "Oh, because the confidentiality, we can't tell you who said it." But we have somebody that reported you were sleeping in class. She said, "Was it one of my students?" "Nope, was it another teacher?" "We can't tell you that." And uh, so the KA rep looked and said, "You have evidence of this." And Wes said, "Oh well, no, we don't. We can't share." He said, "Okay, you don't have anything." So then Wes was like, "Okay, we'll throw that out." So then he goes. Uh, we have evidence of, and I can't remember what the other stuff was. It, it was three or four different things. It actually probably four or five things. And the KEA rep looked at Wes and said, do you have any evidence of Wes said, nope. And he was like, well, okay, you don't have anything. So Wes was like, okay, we got evidence. So he kept going, and eventually it was nothing. So the KEA rep says, what's the point of this meeting? And Wes said, well, I guess there's twofold. Either you got to stay on FMLA or come back in. She goes, well, I, she's like, I'd like to teach. And, uh, but the problem is, if you all keep harassing me, 
this is now it's gone from borderline harassment. You know, my previous year. Now you got this cap on me. Uh, you're in here claiming I've done all this stuff. You have no evidence of any of this. And uh, she goes, essentially, it's harassment. She goes, you know that I could I could have a lawsuit on you right now. He goes, right. And uh, he goes, okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess we'll drop everything. You can start back in the classroom. This on I think a Friday. He goes, you can start back in the classroom on Monday um, and just continue on with your cap and. Uh, he said the biggest thing is, and this is what turned was the turning point. He said your supervisor is no long no longer Haley Victory. Your supervisor is me. You report directly to me, which is illegal. You can't have a superintendent say I'm your direct your direct supervisor. So she said, no, I'm not playing by that rule. She said, uh, she said, yeah. she said I'm gonna give you the option. Uh, and he said, what's that? And he said, either. Uh, you're gonna leave me alone. We're not gonna do this. I'm gonna be right back in the classroom, and I'll I'll go on about my business just like every other teacher does. Or I'm gonna sue you. And uh, Wes said, "Well, let me take my options." So he got back with her and said, "Look, I'm gonna make you a deal." He said, "He said I will uh, buy you out of your contract, which is through June 30th, and uh, I'm gonna pay you for it." He was like, "And you can just take off the rest of the day, and then once June 30th hits, you can find another job." She said, "That's fine." Because uh, then I ain't got to worry about all my mental health issues and stuff. So that was that was the thing. He knew he was going to get sued by us, and uh, he bought her out of her contract from I'm going to say that was mid March to June. Which now, you know, doing in my position now, I know things that that can't be done. That's one thing that can't be done as a superintendent or as a district, for that matter. You can't pay anybody like they did my wife for services not rendered. So the deal that he really made with her to get out of a lawsuit from us because of the bullying and harassment was actually illegal because they paid her for services she never rendered. Um, so that was one, that was illegal on her end, so I can finish. That's her story uh, in a nutshell. Of course, she could tell you a lot more. Let me ask you. Uh, let, let, let me okay, ask. Go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you just a couple of questions. One of the things. Okay. That, one of yeah. the things that they'll do also is, if your wife had any, um, if she had any sick leave days that were left. One of the right. things that they do is they'll say, you know, we'll buy you out of your contract. But what that really means is they're just going to pay you for your sick leave days. Did that happen? Right. Uh, no. So when she actually, uh, they paid her for what she had because she had FMLA she didn't have she had that, that month long FMLA she didn't have any more sick days I got you um, okay so, so she didn't have that but the one thing that they did do um, because of the buyout it didn't count that whole year did not count towards her uh, retirement so she actually lost even though she got the money uh, she did lose uh uh, a year, or a half a year, I guess. She lost a half a year of teaching credit towards her retirement. So now she's half a year behind, you know, on her teaching credit. So that did hurt her on that end. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, and then rewind it um, back to me. So, like I said, they hired uh, Laura Arnold in back in August. We started working uh, together. Like I said, she was, it was weird because she was my direct supervisor uh, for four years, and then now she's working at Nelson County, uh, she had all of a sudden started uh, coming in our building, which is fine. She came in our building because she's the current tech employee and working with her students. Uh, she came in my building about once a week um, and started. Then she started meeting with teachers, and students, and all that stuff. Uh, Nelson County had hired uh, two coordinators that were underneath her, and they, you know, they would collaborate with us. And their push was everybody, which is, you know, what echoes now, everybody gets work-based learning. So, Wes is pushing, you know, going into August, going to start school, was you need to find more uh, businesses that allow co-op students. 
in my field, you know, in uh, current technical aid, you, you're dealing with welders, you're dealing with electricians, you're dealing with nurses, you're dealing with uh, auto mechanics. 90% of the business, I, you know, I'm knocking on doors like crazy, which, we, like I said, we gained a lot of work-based business, but a lot of them aren't taking students that are under the age 18 because of work, workers' comp. So we had gained a couple. Um, they got all excited, and we had a really good partnership of a place that was out in uh, Springfield, which is in Washington County. Uh, but the, the problem is, is, you know, you get places like that, and they're like, oh, you need to get more places like this. It's a great company. Uh, we got that my fourth year and only had one student apply for it the fifth year, you know, my last year there. We didn't have any students apply for it, and they got mad, you know, going to August and said, well, so you need to get more people, more students apply. This is a great business. They're providing this money and a sponsorship to us. The problem was, was that the one student that I had that went into, uh, went into that, that business, they didn't want our students until after they graduated because they could be 18. They wanted them to start in June and do kind of like a trial base, um, trial, like to hire them as a trial basis over the summer. Well, the whole time that they were like a first-year employee, they were giving these students a shovel and saying, it was an excavation company. They were giving them a shovel and saying, all right, you got to dig where all these other people they're working with are on backhoes and all these other big equipment things. And they were only paying, you know, 10, 12 bucks an hour at the most. I can go to McDonald's and flip a burger right now for $15 an hour, much less, well, I'm going to work out in the hot 100-degree weather and I'm the one digging, you know, doing hard labor. You know, that's not the way our students work nowadays. You've got to have something enticing. So I kept trying to tell them that. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a good experience. They're going to that crib. And everything was like, it was my fault because my students, no matter how much I tried and enticed them, it was my fault. Uh, Wes, you know, made it sound like it was my fault because I couldn't get more students to a business like that when, um, you know, give you another example. I had a, one of my construction kids, um, that, you know, they kept pushing work-based learning, work-based learning, which is fine because, you know, I, I was all for it. But when I had one of my kids come back and say, hey, I work for one of these good construction businesses here in Bardstown, and I won't say the name, but they put them on a construction crew. This kid is uh, 17, uh, turned 18, I think, his senior year while he was working with him on this co-op. He said, every time I go out on a job, they put me on a crew, a construction crew of uh, 10 the 12 people, there's two or three of them smoking weed on the side. He's like, I can't be around this. So um, he complained about it to his supervisor at the at the co-op, the business. They put him on another construction crew, and there they are drinking and smoking weed right there on that. So, you know, and then it would come from Wes to me and Laura Arnold that say, hey, get more kids to work for this business. I can't recruit kids to a business that when I've got another kid coming back and saying, you know, the culture at this place that I'm working in is terrible. So I would get the brunt of it. So that was a lot of the dialogue over the summer, like I said, going into August, the new year, get more kids work based learning. We want more kids work based learning. Got it. So that year took along. Uh, we were in, like I said, we were going after a grant to bring Blue County in on my last year there. And so there's a lot of collaboration on this grant between Bardstown, Nelson County, and LaRue County. Uh, and we were at, like I told you before, we were actually touring other uh, facilities. We went all the way up to Owensboro to see theirs. We went to uh, Fulton County to see Fulton County ATC. And then Fulton and then we were in a, uh, we actually flew all the way to Houston and saw some really good uh, uh, CT, uh, CTC, you know, career technical centers in Houston area. One, I, the one I got to see was in the spring independent school district. And it was really, it was really good. Uh, 
you know, Laura Arnold is right there with us, and then people from Bardstown. And all that. So, I mean, I, I dealt with Nelson County, and, and we were very cordial, and, you know, we were saying, hey, this is the, the vision that we have for our ATC. This is where it's going. We want to be more like the ATC in Houston. We want to start, you know, engineering was a big push in Bardstown. We want to start looking at engineering program. Nursing was becoming big. Um, so one thing that I worked on going into the following year, uh, which the year I wasn't there anymore, uh, that I don't get credit for that now with and Nelson County's getting all the credit for, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I started a partnership with Harvard Memorial Hospital. So I, you know, that Harvard Memorial Hospital already had a partnership with Hardin County Schools that they had a group of students from Hardin County uh, coming to take uh, two or well, not really to do a job shadow at their uh, at their hospital for a few weeks. So with the push that you know that I got down my throat of work based learning, work based learning, whether it was a co-op job shadowing, any of them, I said, look, we could we could take a whole bunch of our students because the push was one to get work based learning, but it was also the push to get our students certified earlier and earlier. So I was getting my nursing students. Um, certified as CNAs as their junior year. Well, then they didn't have any classes to take as seniors, number one. Number two, hospitals wouldn't hire them because they weren't 18 yet. And three, they couldn't be there all day because the nurses shift is, you know, 12 hours twelve hours a day or four, 10 hours a day, four days a week. So I went to Harvard Memorial Hospital and I said, look, I said, why don't you let us, Nelson County told us they would pay for the bus every day. Why don't you let us bring our certified nursing students down here, I said, they'll do a, uh, they'll do a rotation with you all, uh, like a job shattering rotation. You'll take one student on your labor delivery floor, uh, one student in your ER, uh, one student in your operating room, one student just on the main floor. I said, you know, take groups of those students. Every two weeks, they'll switch and they'll get the job shattered. They thought that was a great idea, and they started it. Like I said, they started that the next year. Uh, they didn't get credit for that, but that was something that we started. So I was constantly getting, you know, what he was asking. Uh, Throughout that, throughout that semester. Um, as an ATC, every year you've got to have it minimum. You've got to have an advisory and a steering committee meeting once a semester, you know, twice a year. So December comes along and we're gearing up for our steering committee. Um, Laura Arnold, like I said, had come to Nelson County, which meant that all the my supervisors in Frankfurt had changed hands. So they had just announced a couple weeks before that that Jeffrey Adams, which was another ATC principal um, in Southeast Kentucky, was taking, uh, going to be my supervisor and then the temporary supervisor that I had, uh, Tom Thompson, he was actually going to take Laura Arnold's spot, which was cool because I really liked Jeff Adams. He was a laid-back guy. Um, he knew his stuff. He'd been in ATC for 20-plus uh, years. Um, so he had been my supervisor literally for two to three weeks. He calls me up uh, before that steering committee meeting um, in December and says, hey, I need to come in. Let's talk about an hour before your steering committee. I want to make sure everything's good with you and uh, everything's going on. I said, okay, that's good. So all of a sudden he comes in and uh, about an hour before that steering committee meeting, he shuts my door and says, boys, we got to talk. And I said, what's up, Jeff? And uh, he had said, he said, I just want you to know I'm going to preface this whole meeting I'm about to have with you. Uh, he said, I'm going to preface this, but this is not for me. And I said, what, what are you talking about? He goes, I've got to give you a corrective action plan. Now, my four years before that, and that just flagged me of what my wife was going through right then and there in the spot. I was like, in my four years before that, I never got any bad marks whatsoever on any of my evaluations. 
it just literally came out of blue. And he told me, I know this is out of the, the blue. He said, but just remember, this isn't coming from me. And I said, where is this coming from? He said, it's really coming from the local superintendent, which I knew the Barstone superintendent I was good with. I mean, me and him talked, and uh, his director's there, the, the director there that was really the one that was overseeing me uh, on their side, you know, collaborate with me, not overseeing me, but collaborate with me. Uh, we were good with, the principal I was good with, we, you know, we were, we were friends, you know, outside of school. So um, he gave me this cap, and essentially in the cap, um, in fact, I've got it right here in front of me, uh, it had listed four things that, uh, that were problems. And then uh, it, was, it was saying there was no industry certification, I grown from 2017 18. The uh, which you know the one of that that one thing was was good because that was something I already knew that I need to grow on increase my industry certs, which I had already that year because I'd already started getting like I told you my juniors certified, so I knew that was going to you know a big improvement. Anyway, the other three were directly from West Bradley, which they were going through my supervisor, and they said that the feeder district administrators feel more inclusive communication and a long-term vision are greatly needed at ATC, which then Jeff Adams looked at me and said, he said, I don't know what he really wants. He said, you need to get up with your feeder super uh, superintendents and ask them what that means because we don't know. And then it says, and it's all the wording, like when Wes gives you stuff and they've seen it now in these presentations with the board, uh, the board meeting that the parents have seen. It's a lot of fluff and not a lot of substance. Um, so like one of the things on my cap says there's been little if any growth in strategic partnerships leading to a substantial increase in work-based learning opportunities for students. So that brought fluff to say I haven't got more partners, more students involved in work-based learning, which I had at the time. I mean, I, I had grown that, but previous years it wasn't a push until, you know, West made it. And then lastly, it said, on my cap, intentional efforts still need to be made to offer more dual credit, which I'd had all my teachers that year certified dual credit with the exception of one, and he was an older teacher, and it was like pulling teeth to try to get him to do everything through ECTC to get it there. Um, and his numbers were low and everything anyway, so it was going to be a fight with him. Anyway, so we go through the cat, and I'm like, this is crazy. That was, in fact, I've got a time that was, uh, that was you know, December. He looks at me, my, Jeff Adams looks at me at the end of this meeting and says, look, this is off the record right here. He said before this, he said, I've been in this position for two weeks and Nelson County is the craziest one that I've had to work with. He said, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, I'll just keep it short for you. He said, I, uh, if I were you, he said, I'd be looking for a new job. He said, I don't, he said, I would never say that to you. He said, but they're gunning for you. And I said, what do you mean they're going for? He said, they want you out of this position. He said, I'd be looking for a new job because they're not going to stay. They're not going to stop until they get you. I said, okay. And he said, but he said, work with them and see what they want because we don't know what they're really saying. He's like, and just remember, this cat's not for me. So he gives it to me. I sign it, go through that second semester. Uh, January rolls along. I start getting up with Wes and Laura Arnold and say, what, what, what is it that you want? He goes, uh, I want you to meet Wes. Says, I want you to meet with Laura Arnold once a week. Uh, I want you to send out a newsletter uh, to all your stakeholders that say exactly what you're doing, how your industry certifications are coming along, and how your work-based learning is along. Cool. I did it. So I started uh, every single week, every Monday. I did a uh, Monday memo type thing. I put that out. All my stakeholders got it. All the superintendents got it. Uh, 
then I sat down with Laura Arnold every Monday, met with her, and gave her an update. Um, they actually sat down with me, me with uh, Laura and then the superintendent at Barstown. We all sat down, and it was a, uh, it was almost like, uh, well, they all just wanted to meet with me at first. They just called me and said, I just want to meet with you. This was the first time that they had actually sat down. And keep in mind, they are not my supervisors. They can't give me any evaluative feedback. So if they do, it's just like the the, the person that, that works at a fast food restaurant says, hey, you need to do this. Or your parent says, hey, you need to do this. It's kind of like, I can take their advice, but you're not my supervisor. You don't have a direct impact on whether I'm here or fired or not. But they sat down with me and said, you need to do this, this, and this, which went back to uh, – the Monday memos I sent out, they, they said, continue doing that, continue work-based learning. And then they kept harping on, during that meeting, they kept harping on a vision. Like, we need to see your vision. We need to see your vision. So I called my supervisor, Jeff Adams, at the time. So what, this was in January. And I said, what did they come at? He said, buddy, I don't know. He said, we talked to them a couple times, and I just don't have a clue. Me and Jeff hung up. It wasn't a week after that. I got an email from KDE that said, uh, we're sorry to inform you, but Jeff Adams is no longer with us. He has retired. Uh, and Jeff Adams and I email said, thank you all for working with me. He said, I know I've only been here for about a month, month and a half. He said, but he said, this job isn't what I thought it was going to be. And uh, I've decided to retire. And uh, I think he was into the pool business or something. I think he did the pool or something on the side. He, did, he had some kind of side business that he was going to go off to. And uh, kind of got to talk to him. <laughs> Not why I didn't talk to him, but I talked to somebody else that actually knew Jeff that was at another ATC down in Southeast Kentucky. And essentially, he said that Jeff got so tired of hearing from Nelson County because between Laura Arnold and West, they were just wearing out KDE all the time saying, hey, they need to do this, they need to do this, they need to do this. But he got tired of it. And like I said, he was only there for two months, two, two and a half months at most, and then he resigned. So now I'm getting a new supervisor. Um, this guy's name is Larry Garrity. He comes in there. And then, like I said, his supervisor is Tom Thompson, who took Laura Arnold's position. Throughout that second semester of my last year there, didn't hear much. It was going good ever since I had that meeting with the two superintendents from Laura Arnold about, you know, have the Monday memo, get more work-based learning opportunities, yada, yada. May, see, it was either April or May. Um, I should get the date on this. It was May 17th. Got it right. Uh, May 17th rolls around near the end of the school year. Tom Thompson calls me up. Like I said, took Laura on the bottom tracker. He calls me up to just give you a heads up. Wes is coming today to meet with you. I said, what do you want to talk about? He said, buddy. He says, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he's called me. He calls me all the time. He said, he wears me out. He said, but he called me, and I don't have a clue what he's talking about or what he wants. He said, we've been on him for weeks to tell us exactly what his expectation and what he wants from Nelson County ATC, and he won't tell us. He said, we can't get it out of him. So in doing so, he said, when you meet with him today, he said, and I got it written down because I still got my notes from that day. He said, ask him exactly what he wants. And uh, I said, okay. So... Wes called me later, shot me an email, and said, hey, can I meet with you uh, later this afternoon? I said, that's fine. So Wes comes in, and uh, he asked me, how do I think How do I think it's going? You know, I told him all the stuff that we've done. You know, when we met back in January, I said, I met all your expectations. We've increased work-based learning. I've got this hard memorial uh, hospital uh, program that 
working on for next year. I've collaborated with uh, Spalding University to get all of our this year's students uh, CNA certified, MNA certified. I said, you know, it's going good. I said, what have you seen? And uh, he started talking to me. He started rambling. And like I said, I got to go get the notes sitting here in front of me for that exact meeting. That's why I've got it. Um, he started talking about looking at national models of career centers, uh, the coherence and the purpose, the values and the purpose, and then the vision value construct. And so he started rattling off stuff that I knew he was going to say because my supervisor, like the KD supervisor, Tom Thompson, had told me. So essentially, uh, he started talking about how do your programs align to your vision, the value structure. He started talking about a handout that I needed to look at called Build Your Own Paradigm. So after he's done talking, I said, look, I talked to Tom Thompson. He just wants me to ask you, uh, what do you really want? Like, what's the meat and the potatoes of what you want from me? And I'll never forget this. He said, I'm glad you asked. And he had his coat on, his uh, sport coat on, and he pulled out an envelope with it. And it's on a Nelson County letterhead, May 17, 2019. And keep in mind, the biggest thing is, is he's not my supervisor. He can't give me any type of paper, form, evaluative criteria at all. He, he's not my supervisor. But he gives me this paper, and you know, I'll, I'll just, I've got it right here in front of me. But briefly, it says, the following data observations were observed during the 1819 school year. Our conclusions. The Nelson County ATC lacks substantial awareness of how to develop a comprehensive mission, vision, and value structure that will drive a high-functioning ATC for the future of the community, and B, it lacks awareness of the current reality and fails to build coherence with programs that will allow Nelson County ATC to be a top-tier, high-performing environment. Essentially, he said, specific observations, these are things he said on it. Instructionally, um, we struggled to articulate, develop, and implement a coherent shared vision, which that was his wording to me and to KDE, the vision thing. And, you know, I had come up with a whole new 2020 vision that was really solid that I'd collaborated with our steering. So that's the thing. Like, the thing that drove our schools, you know, regular schools have site-based decision-making councils. I had a steering committee and I had an advisory committee. So my steering committee is what drove me and my leadership uh, for the school, which he was on and a part of. Uh, so he had input into that. And then each of my programs had advisory committees, which drove them. So for him to keep saying vision and mission, you know, I went to every single advisory committee meeting that night and, you know, looked at their notes, looked at the feedback. I collaborated on them. They were all on, on board. My uh, my steering committee at the time, you know, had told me what they wanted. I was giving them what they wanted because in the in the spring steering committee, you know, everything was everything was good, which he said on there, you know, and, and didn't really say much of all this other stuff. So then the second thing instructionally said observed ongoing lack of student engagement in classrooms. That ATC instruction is totally different than a regular classroom. If I'm walking into a math classroom, I'm going to see students doing two plus two. If I'm walking in English, I'm going to see them reading Romeo and Juliet. If I'm walking into uh, a car shop at the ATC and they're turning a wrench and learning how to change a tire, that's learning. Like he kept, he would see that, you know, if you've got uh, four cars and you got four students on a car, let's say you have 18 in the class, if you've got four students on a car, two left over, and they're all turning riches on a car, they're learning. Like he didn't, he didn't get that. You know, the way that you learn in career and technical ed is totally different than than you know a regular classroom. When you walk in and you've got 
you've got your, your ICANN statements, and then you've got your learning targets of what you're doing for the day. You know, we had all that stuff, but, the you know, we'd even brought in a school bus um, that the whole school, you know, we had a school bus donated to us that we had had community partners going to donate to it, and we were actually taking that school bus and turning it into a tiny house. So we were incorporating every single program into our school, whether it was the automotive crew that was checking the alignment and all that stuff that was on it, you know, the drivability of it. Um, it was our welders that were, uh, that had actually cut the whole roof off, raised it a foot and a half, welded the bus back together or welding the windows in. Our carpenters were obviously going to build the whole inside. Our electrical students were going to, um, make sure everything on the inside was, um, had wired and was coherent and running and everything else. Our nursing students was actually teaching the safety aspects of each step along the way. Our IT students were actually going to make the, the bus wireless and everything else. So we were doing hands-on, real-world, exciting projects. So for him to say, you know, observe lack of student engagement in classrooms, that, that, just, that was false. Um, the culture teachers lacked trust and belief in the school leadership. There was, uh, other than the nursing uh, program, there was no turnover in my building, uh, which goes to the, the next the next thing. It says human resources, incapacity to compel individuals to aspire to join the ATC. The nursing program was uh, problematic because we had a high turnover rate in that program because of the pay and the high demand for nurses right now. So to give you an example, I had one of my teachers that I hired was a great teacher in my building. Um, I hired her, I think she started in September. She worked for Norton Hospital out of Louisville. She started in my building in September. One month later, uh, like so four weeks into working for me, she was doing a great job. Norton calls her back up and says, we're going to triple your salary if you come back, literally. So she was making probably 50000 with me. Norton comes and says, hey, we're going to give you $150,000 salary. Why would anybody in their right mind, if you're getting your salary tripled, not leave? And that was what I was having to deal with in my nursing program. So, you know, he put this on this, this paper, to incapacity to compel individuals to aspire to join ATC. How can you get somebody to join ATC when Norton's going to pay you $150,000? I mean, yeah, you want to have a culture and stuff, but $150,000 talks a lot more than I can pay a teacher at 50000 Right. And then uh, incapacity to articulate performance, expectations, values. So, I mean, a lot of stuff that he put on here. You know, the next thing is struggles to authentically engage key stakeholders in developing vision for the ATC. You know, a lot of it's just fluff because the steering committee was totally on board. We had a lot of collaboration. We had a ton of sponsorship um, and engagement from those uh, those stakeholders because, you know, we wouldn't have been able to get our two grants that we got. We got two grants at the end, um, that year four and, and year five. And we, we wouldn't have been able to get that had we not had a lot of collaboration uh, from it. So it was just, it was constant like that. So, uh, so he went through that whole letter and then um, he ended it, like I said, I wrote it down so that I would never thought. So I'd say, you know, with all this, I was like, there's really no substance on it because you're talking about incapacity, aspiring, aspirations. I said, well, what are your goals? You know, what do you think that you could see for this, this school? And uh, he said, well, the first thing I'd start at is I would watch Andy Stanley podcast. He says, Andy Stanley has a lot of good things. And I said, okay. I said, I can start watching Andy Stanley podcast. I said, what else do you want? I said, specifically, I said, you know, Mr. Thompson from KD wants me to ask you specifically, what is it that you want from us? I was like, you've been on us, you know, all year. What do you want? He said, I'll just be honest with you. He said, I will, uh, I will tell you it's 
like a painter. He's like, a painter goes to work every single day, and he doesn't smell the paint. He said, everything's good. The walls look good. The painter's good. He said, but I'm that outside person. He said, I come in this building. He said, that paint stinks. He's like, and really, uh, we need a change in this building. I said, what do you mean? And uh, he said, and I, like I said, I had this written down, so this, <laughs> this is word for word from him. He said, I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. He said, it's going to take a change of leadership here. He said, I'm coming after you. He said, uh, he said, if you don't leave, he said, then what I'll do is I'll starve you of your resources. And not just your resources, I'll starve you emotionally as well. He said, I've already checked on uh, the ATC. The cost for me to take it over is $650,000 uh, to go around you and for me to take it over. He said, I don't have the resources, that money right now. He said, but eventually I will get it. And uh, he said, I'll get this ATC. And uh, I said, okay, that's all I need to hear. So we left that. And then, um, you know, that was that was actually, sorry, like I said, from dealing with my wife, that was the first strike against him. And, and, and you know, with and with me, uh, with Laura Arnold, the hiring there, and finding that money, that was the second strike. This was kind of like the fourth strike, I, the third strike. You know, during that, uh, and this is kind of goofy, but it goes to tell you what type of person he is. And I still use this example today on him. Uh, I'll never forget, in probably March, Aprilish, uh, that semester, we, uh, we had a monthly uh, principals meeting every month with him. And that March, April one, we were sitting at the uh, the uh, preschool, uh, Nelson County Early Learning Center, and we were having our meeting. I'll never forget I was sitting right there. And uh, the end of the year is coming up, so the uh, CSIP, which is the Comprehensive School and Program uh, Improvement Plans, Comprehensive School Improvement Plans, have to be due uh, for the end of the year going into next year. So we were going through all these things. One of the principals looked at Wes and said, uh, Wes, we've got a deadline coming up on the CSIP. Uh, what's your thoughts on us doing this? Should we implement this? Should we put this in our CSIP? And he, I'll never forget this. But I, he looked at that teacher and said, he said, you're sending that to KDE, right? And I said, yeah, we have to have that in by whatever the date was on that CSIP, June 30th or, or whatever it was. He said, well, he said it's simple. He said, one thing that um, I learned, he said, is that they don't really check those things too hard. He said, so what I used to do, he said, if I ever wanted an extension, he said, they're, uh, he said, they're fillable blanks, right? And they said, yeah, you can tell them in. That's what you got to do and hit submit. He said, what I would do, he said, I would go in there and push period, tab, period, tab, next box, period, tab, 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 period, period. He said, just go put all those boxes in and put one period, one dot in each of those. He said, hit submit. He said, that will allow that form to your CSIP to submit. And it'll look like it's filled out. He said, KDE won't catch that for two or three months. And then when they come and ask you and say, why is this all just a period, period, period form? You can just say, oh, I must have been a computer glitch or something like that. And so he said, then you can submit it to them. He said, that'll buy you some time and give you about two or three months. He said, they don't care about this stuff. So right there, you know, as a leader, as a person, the three things I always ask myself before I make the decision, is it legal, is it ethical, is it safe? Or make any decision right there. That's so unethical right there. And especially to convey that to your to your other principals in the building. I thought that was like, man. So you know that that just goes. Is that a another, it, is that is that a legal document? That the CSIP is something that all schools are required to have by the Kentucky Department of Education. Um, in at their improvement plan, yes. So it's, it's a, so, a, so it's a legal document as far as a policy is concerned and certainly by the Kentucky Department of Education, and he's also openly admitted to computer fraud. Right, yes. Yep. So, yeah, there, there was that. So when he said that, that 
I just, I'll never forget, because I remember exactly where I was sitting, exactly where I was, and I was like, well, I can't believe that he just said that. And then, you know, like I said, so when he ended that meeting with me on May 17th, he gave me that letter, you know, I looked at him, the, the last thing I said to him, I said, well, I said, you're not my supervisor. I said, so I'll take all this into account, but I appreciate your suggestion. But, you know, just looking at that, looking at what he'd done to my wife, looking at, you know, talking to Jeff Adams that only worked there for a month and a half, but all the way to, you know, Bob Morris retiring as soon as she tried to file harassment thing. It looked like everybody was turned over. And, you know, one thing that the very first win that we ever, me and my wife ever got of this was that principal that she hired, uh, our second, our second year there, which that's a, you know, second year there was really even going on with us. That principal there was a great principal. Uh, you know, like I said, it was one of the best principals. And when she left, she said, boy, this place is a mess. She said, I'm getting out of here. And she, you know, she had moved up to her family from Lexington, I believe, and moved to Nelson County, only lived there a year, and moved back. So it was, it was stuff like that that was just, you know, that was going on. And, uh, you know, that it was just, it was crazy. And it was, you know, looking at those four things that, you know, had been done, said, et cetera, just to the person, like between the, the ethical stuff, you know, the, the legal stuff, it was just, you know, what are we doing here? So, I mean, that was, that was, you know, a majority of, of what happened to me and my wife when we were, when we were there. I'm sure there's some stuff that I missed and I can't forget because, like I said, we were there five years and had to deal with him, him and little Arnold for, the last year and a half, and it was just, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of the stuff, as I look back at my last year there, now looking back, you know, at their, uh, at their, their website and seeing who's coming and going and stuff, you, you look at the people that are there and in positions, they're all handpicked people. A lot of them are from Thomas Nelson and his time there. You know, you look at the, the Horizon Academy principal, he was from Thomas Nelson. Uh, both the Thomas Nelson administrators are, you know, ones that came up from under his tutelage while he was at Thomas Nelson. The principals at the, the Nelson County the middle school there, the local middle school, Mile Kentucky Home, you know, they're all principals and people that learned under him from Thomas Nelson. When he got rid of everybody at the board office, most of those people that he handpicked were from Thomas Nelson or had something from from Thomas Nelson, you know, with him. So it was all, it was all kind of, you know, and the whole time I was there that last year, I thought the whole play was that he was going to put Laura Arnold in there. That the whole play to get me out was to put Laura Arnold in there. She never did, but, you know, talking to some of my teachers after the fact, after I left, um, they, you know, they say that she was in there a lot. She got into, after I left, that she got into it with a couple of my teachers, um, you know, and, and she's, you know, we had a phenomenal electrical teacher. He since was, they since, you know, since I've left, uh, Nelson County eventually took over Nelson County ATC. So his $650,000 uh, plan came in into fruition. And as soon, uh, as soon as I was gone, the uh, HVAC teacher and HVAC program was done, uh, which, you know, that one was probably going to go anyway because of the lack of demand by the students. Uh, but I've heard, you know, since then that our CAD program that we had, uh, which was a phenomenal CAD program, I had hired the teacher in that this year, uh, they they're actually gave him a notice that said his program is going to be done away with. So he's actually gone. But And, you know, for him to say, you know, we need more work-based learning and more uh, industry certifications, that was one of the highest rated industry certification 
programs that we had at the ATC because all of those kids were getting AutoCAD certified, and then a lot of them were either going to Louisville Speed School to be an engineer. In UK, we had several at UK. Uh, local industry was eating those up left and right because Bardstown has a lot of uh, wood shops, and they would need CAD programmers to to do design of uh, of cabinets and then also houses. Uh, we had a great any uh, there was. One, two, there's three off the top of my head uh, businesses there in Bardstown that directly use CAD. And as soon as they had an opening, they would contact me and hire a student right off the bat. So for them to get rid of CAD this year, you know, it's a, it's a big blow to the ATC because of the program they had. Uh, you know, we had a, you know, you looked at, and like I said, it goes back to the kind of that letter of, you know, it says lack of, you know, he, they, you know, it's, you know, my words, it's when I walk in, I feel like these kids aren't doing anything, but they're learning CAD, which is when they go out, they're more likely going to be an engineer and, and CAD, they're going to be using AutoCAD or Autodesk, you know, one of the two. And that's what engineers start off on. And that's what we were prepping our students for. They got certified for that. They had the leg up and they were, you know, every one of our students that had ended up going some type of co-op never got fired and always stuck with that. They never changed it because they loved it. I mean, they were very passionate about that program. So to see that, and then, you know, one thing they pushed big time when in my last year, you know, getting that grant was, uh, was another engineering program, or a program that's called Project Lead the Way, um, which I think that's probably why they're getting rid of the CAD program because Project Lead the Way, um, I never wanted it because it was such a high dollar program. So Project Lead the Way, they sent us, uh, Nelson County sent me uh, to Elizabethtown Independent um, to view them because they were in Project Lead the Way. And I saw their high school, I observed their high school and their middle school programs uh, with UK coming down and kind of giving their spiel on Project Lead the Way. I realized that the startup of it was about 17 grand just for the program. Every class that a teacher had to be um, had to teach, they had to pay four thousand dollars a year or four thousand dollars to get that teacher trained. So, at minimum, to get a student industry certified, they had to take three. But to get them a completers, the students completers, you had to take four. So, four thousand times four classes—that's sixteen thousand dollars. So, sixteen thousand dollars right there plus the initial seventeen thousand plus. Um, all students had to have an X robot type of car, which would have been five hundred dollars. So you're paying five hundred dollars a student, and then for their curriculum, it was something like five hundred dollars per year per class. So you're talking about another two thousand bucks. Project Lead the Way is great, but a lot of the times, once you pay for a teacher to get trained, another county district that's higher paying picks them off. Thank you for paying them free training for us. Now they're going to come work for us. Uh, in, when I went to observe E-Town Independent, I actually literally walked into their high school class and the project that they were doing in their high school Project Lead the Way class was the identical project that my CAD teacher at the time was doing at the ATC. I said, the curriculum's identical. Why are we paying all this money to get Project Lead the Way when we're already doing the same thing and the industry certification is the same and it's just, you know, it's a waste of money and it's going to draw the same student. I mean, if I'm going into engineering and I've got a engineering program or a CAD program, which is the same exact thing and they're teaching the same, I've got to pick one or the other. So you're essentially dividing and conquering. So by getting rid of that program this year, essentially they're, they're pushing, they're forcing, West is pushing and forcing all of the students in that would originally take CAD, he's forcing them all into Project Lead the Way, which to me on the outside doesn't make any sense because it's the same program yet. 
trying to you're spending all this money. So to me, now that I'm gone, it, it looks like oh, it's one of those things of well, we started Project Lead the Way since I've been here. Look at the numbers now. We've got numbers coming in. You know, students are loving this program. They're getting AutoCAD certified, and I'm the one that started this program. So he gets to put a feather in his cap for that one. Really, we were already doing that under the under the uh, the program ACAD, and it was the same students getting the same industry certification. So it's just that program is already there, and Project Lead the Way is the one he started under his his watch. So. Make sure you keep those emails. Yes, yeah. Don't don't uh, don't get rid of them. Let me let me ask. No, no, not good to say that. Let me ask you a couple of things. Just to go back to the moment when he was in your office or wherever you guys were, and he reached into his pocket. He said to you, right. he he said to you, you said, "Starve you, I'll starve you of your resources, and I'll starve you emotionally." Is that right? Yes, yes, sir. I got that written down. One for right exactly what he said. Right, Yeah. Um. See, I mean, it's beyond evident that that he he's a tyrant. There's no doubt about that. He has all the characteristics of somebody who is not a leader at all. Just by just by listening to you talk, and this is my opinion, but just by listening to you talk, you seem like 100% a strong leader, and you're the exact kind of person who needs to be left alone. Right. I mean, and that was the and that's the thing. You know, I appreciate the compliment. That's the thing. And this is what I said, uh, you know, this is what I told, uh, and that's, I said, look, I said, it'd be good if, you know, I'd agree with him maybe, and I could, I could do my own, you know, I'm, I'm confident enough to say, hey, if I'm not good, tell me, that's fine. 
But I taught at nine years at Bath County High School, and Paul Prater was my supervisor. He was my principal, and I will to this day tell you that Paul Prater is probably the best principal I've ever seen statewide, you know, that I've worked for, that I've heard about. He's, you know, in fact, he is so good. He works for Kentucky Department of Education now training new principals for the P3 program. Um, I mean, he, if you have a question, he's one to call answer. Like, he's the best leader I've ever dealt with. When he evaluated me for nine years straight, I always got great reviews, evaluations, everything. Never, there was never really any concerns. You know, he taught me strategies. I mean, he just, he blows me away. I could talk about him all day and rave on him. I go to Nelson County my first four years, um, even going into my fifth year, even my, even my last year, my boss at the time, I got good evaluations, everything was good, uh, never got anything done. And, you know, and now at Gallatin County, I'm here two years, my evaluations are great, I'm doing a great job. So the common denominator is, one, Wes wasn't my supervisor, but two, for him to give me a paper that says, hey, you're not doing this, you lack the leadership, this, this, and this. If all of those 16 years that I've been in education added up to, you know, even when I, you know, going back to my first job working at Kmart, working at, you know, for, uh, for Brown County as a sub, you know, any of my years of employment whatsoever, not just the 16 in education, I've never really got a bad review from anybody. And, you know, so this is the, the one random blip. And he wasn't even my evaluator. He wasn't even, didn't even the right to evaluate me, but giving me this, you know, What's the common denominator is what I ask, you know, is it, am I the common denominator where 16 years of education, I constantly got to fight for a job, I get pink slip, yada, 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 you know, I, I, there's stuff I need to prove on as a person, as a leader, that, that's not the common denominator. The, the one oddball is the one thing that I got from Wes Bradley that says, hey, you, you stink as a leader, your school stinks, you're like a painter, and you can't smell how bad your pain is, but when I come in, I can smell it and it stinks. You know, so that's the that's the oddity to me, not the, the other fifteen years, sixteen years that I have in education. Yeah, that's well said. He's cer- he he is certainly the problem, and there's no doubt about right. it. Because again, you like you said, you can't have that many positive evaluations, and all of a sudden he shows up, and then you get a horrible evaluation where nothing makes sense, and then you leave, and then it's positive evaluations again. You know, this right. is this is the unfortunate part, and I, I want to. I want to make sure that you and your wife understand this, is that I've been through the exact same thing myself um, gotcha. in, in two separate states. And, yep. and unfortunately what happens is, is that those that really want you bad and, and want you out of the business or want to shut you up, they will follow you wherever you, know, yep. wherever you go. And they'll lie to your supervisors or they'll lie to the State Department of Education about you and XYZ. So um, it's, it's that kind of a lack of leadership that not only gives them away, but it should be it should be beyond evident to everybody in Nelson County that again, not only is Wes Bradley the problem, but that he doesn't care about anybody who works there, and that he doesn't care about the well being of the people within that work environment. Because, I mean, let alone the way that he treated you and your wife. Right. Yep. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, let me ask you this: How's your wife doing? Oh, she and that's the thing. She's doing great. Once again, this is her. Uh, like I said, she lost her because of all that nonsense Nelson put her through. Uh, you know, so this is her technically 12th year, but they count as 11th year. But all the other times, you know, she worked for Montgomery County for five years, which is the top 50 elementary school in the state of Kentucky, and she got rave reviews there on her evaluation um, for 
three years at Nelson County, actually for all five years, she got really good. You know, she got a good evaluation. It was, that's what, you know, that was the other thing that didn't make any sense on both of our ends. Both of our, for five years, both of our evaluations were spot on. They would never tell us anything that really, it was like a, just a, something that just stood out big time that, you know, you need to work on. It was, you know, we, you always need to work and get better and improve as a, as either a teacher or the leader, you know, any, as a person. Um, and I, and I get that. I accept that. But, you know, in our evaluations, it was never just something huge, you know, this, is so wrong on your evaluation that it's going to lead to this cap. They never went hand in hand. Um, and as, you know, her, for her five years at Beaumont County, she had great evaluations, even at Nelson County and now at Gallatin County. You know, she just took her evaluation a month ago, and it was pretty much exceptional across the board, which is the highest rating as a, as a teacher it could be. So now, you know, with my 16 years, with her 11 years, there's one common denominator that was a blip on the radar for both of us, and it was just one year under one person and it didn't even have anything to do with our evaluation like i said he couldn't even evaluate me but with her you know he kind of could uh, he wasn't her direct supervisor although he tried to be and it was uh and our evaluations instructionally as a teacher you know that they couldn't put anything to knock on there so it was it was the corrective action plans that we were getting that said something that totally didn't relate to any one of our job descriptions but she's doing you know she's doing great now She's loving it here. Her headache's dog pretty much gone away. And, you know, she's now going to be on site-based council here for her school this year. And she's one of the leaders of her school. So, I mean, she's, she's doing great. That's great. Let me ask you this, um, unless you have anything else that you'd like to add, but what advice do you have for the people who are working in Nelson County? And what advice do you have for the parents that are having to deal with West Bradley and, and, and uh, continue to deal with this nonsense that's going on there? I think they just need to. They need to keep on the fight. You know, I'm I'm not there anymore to to speak up. Uh, but you know, they need to keep on. I, I wouldn't have said. I, I probably wouldn't have had the same opinion uh, if I wouldn't have been there through the Anthony Orr era. Um, I never seen you know, Bath County do a different. Like our board and our superintendent get a, didn't get along for a few years. Uh, nothing really ever happened. So I came from nine years of okay. You might not like a superintendent, but you know, you're, you're stuck until the end of the contract, and then there you go. But then in Nelson County, you know, enough uproar was called with Anthony Orr to get him out um, that I saw, you know, change can happen. And I think, one, you know, it, it's going to be interesting with Nelson because Orr was not a uh, was not a local. You know, he wasn't from Nelson County. He was from Lexington. Um, so I feel like the board didn't sense that they didn't have that connection to him. They didn't have that tie to him. And it was easier to let them go. Uh, Bradley is from Nelson County. So, I, you know, I feel like they're probably tied a little bit, you know, more to him and it would be harder for them to let them go. So I think you still got to keep it up like they did for or and keep at it. You know, don't let the summer get you and say, oh, we're out of school. You know, I would stay at every board meeting, every, you know, he had, I saw in the paper yesterday, uh, the Kentucky Standard that Wes had come out and said, you know, my first few years here, you could count the number of open records requests we had on one hand. Um, in the last uh, six weeks, we've had sixty. And then he said, "And that's not fair to the uh, to the teachers, the TR, to the staff that works here, or to the students that go here." Well, if you're not doing anything shady, why would it be unfair? <laughs> you know, just everything's open, and you know, let let them see it. So it's working. You got to keep on keeping on. And if the board will not change their opinion because he's a local. Um, 
then you have to really put your, um, you have to really go, if you really believe you know, that you need change, then you have to have those parents um, and those community members that will actually run for the board office. Um, and you saw that in Clark County, uh, Clark County, Kentucky, um, this past year, um, several members of the, uh, or several parents were very upset of how the Clark County superintendent handled the COVID situation of constantly going in and out of school, which, you know, to his credit, that was really coming down from the state. He had no control of, you know, whether we're in person or not. Well, come the, those November elections, two, uh, two parents got elected over the current board members when they started in January. That was their whole, uh, that was their whole agenda was to get that superintendent out. They got one other board member to flip and then it was a three, two vote. And all of a sudden the superintendent's gone. So now Clark County this year will have a new superintendent just because of that. So if you look at Clark County, you know, you can, you can make things happen, you know, uh, just by getting two in there, you know, and if you can't, you get two in there this year and you can't flip them, you know, the one vote like Clark County did, then two more years, then you can get another one in there and there you go. So, uh, it can happen. You just got to stay vigilant. Um, you got to, you know, you keep on keeping on and then you can't make the change to get the board, the current board to, to do what needs to happen to what's best for students. Um, and you get on the board yourself and, you make it happen because ultimately that's what everybody in a position like I'm in wants to have, you know, what's best for all students of, of Kentucky because I want to see Kentucky as a state grow and, and be one of the best in the, the nation. You know, when I go on trips, you know, I'm at, and sometimes I go on trips, you know, if I go to Alaska, California, Hawaii, Colorado, New York, wherever, I want to be proud from Kentucky. You know, I'm in education in Kentucky. I don't want to have to say, hey, we're in the bottom 10. You know, I'm in Kentucky. I'm in the bottom 10. You know, I, I want to make it better. And, you can only make it better by starting one person, one district, one county, and then that will change the state. So, um, you know, and, and that was actually, you know, going back to that conversation on May 17th that I had with Wes, you know, when he started talking about vision and where we're going, I said, look, you know, I, I read a book that year. Um, he, he's all about book studies and stuff. I said, I read a book by Tony Dungy. It's called The Soul of the Team. And I said, I think we're really going into what was going to be my sixth year. I said, I think we're really going to look at that at the school. I said, it could really change the school, but not only this school. I said, it could change the entire district if, if we went with it. And I said, soul is an acronym. And Tony Dungy uses it. I said, uh, S is for selflessness, you know, putting somebody else in front of you. You know, every time you, you make a decision, every time you help a student, you know, even get your students to put others in front of them. I said, you know, S, be selfless. I said, oh, is ownership. Take a little pride in what you do. You know, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an administrator, take a little pride in what you do. If you're a student, put, take some pride in the work that you're doing. Uh, you is for unity. You know, we're all going to be one. We're going to be a district together. Uh, let's be unified in the decisions and what we're doing. And then L is a larger purpose. You know, for, for me, that larger purpose is I'm doing it for, for God and, you know, for, for Jesus, you know, because that's, I love the Lord and that's, that's my purpose in life. You know, if you're not religious and that's not your purpose, then do it for a large, larger purpose. You know, you're here to, you know, make yourself better than, than what you became. And, you know, if you live in poverty, then your larger purpose is to get your family out of poverty, you know. So I said, if we can implement what Tony Dungy talks about in that book, that, book, that soul of a team, you know, selflessness, ownership, unity, and a larger purpose, I said, we can take those district places. You know, and that's, he started talking about, you know, the book, uh, or the Stanley, um, Andy Stanley podcast, but, you know, and then that was when he talked about the painter and everything else, and he got away from that. But, you know, so uh, there's things, you know, like that, that, you know, that are just when administrators bring those ideas to him. It's not his 
uh, you shoot the dam. Uh, and, and that's what's needed is more, more parents speaking up about the board, you know, more administrators that have been turnovers, teachers, faculty said, you know, don't be scared. Sure, you know, if you, especially if you're a teacher, you got tenure, there's, you know, you can, you can put a lot of pressure on you, but if you're, if you're strong-willed, then, then you, can, you can end up, there's a, the grass is greener on the other side. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.